Are you working? What kind of work do you do? You're listening to The Edge with Aaron Karolnik. Giving you the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy. Welcome in to The Edge for this Friday evening here in the city of Toronto. I am Aaron Karolnik. We are streaming live on tsn1050.ca. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And to be honest, I'm a little intimidated to do tonight's show because what I saw and heard on Overdrive tonight was nothing short of magnificent. There was a new segment hosted by Jonas Siegel. There was a new producer behind the glass for this week and this week only. You know him very well from this program. You know him very well from his eh, mediocre NFL picks on Overdrive as well. His name is Al's brother. And Al's brother, I need to get the rundown of what the week was like. Where are you living this week? As I know, you generally live in Niagara Falls. Give me the whole breakdown, my friend. Yeah, no, it was an interesting week. Definitely a lot different than what I usually do. I do have a very long commute each and every day when I come in uh, into the studio, roughly like an hour and a half to two hours. So since I was working every day, doing some hard leg work uh, ahead of the show, as you well know, as being a producer, I didn't mm-hmm. want to tie myself up for a couple of hours in the morning where it could be some crucial uh, work to be done when it comes to chasing guests, as you well know. So I got myself a hotel up in wow. Markham, about 20 minutes out from the, <laughs> the studio. So, yeah, I, I've been living in a hotel for uh, for all, the whole week. What hotel are you staying at? Uh, just a Comfort Inn. Comfort Inn. Okay, what's that like? Well, I've never, I don't know if I've ever been to a Comfort Inn. Is it the Mar- is it the one at like Highway Seven and Leslie? Uh, Highway Seven and uh, Woodbine. I always have them okay. You know what? There. That's right by uh, that's right where I where I used where I grew up. Actually, my parents shout out to Karen and Stan had a house there. Well, I guess that's where I lived for like twenty. I'm sure they're listening right now. They listen to, to everything I do. So I lived there for like twenty five years. So in close proximity to my childhood home. Is the statue of me still up in that area, house, brother? I think they took it down just last week before I got there. They knew I was coming. Right. I think they're putting up an Al's brother statue. They're erecting an Al's brother statue. That's what I like to hear. Well, after your performance, Al's brother, on the pound the table picks of the week last week, when you went two and zero, you deserve a statue. And this week, in about forty minutes' time, we will be joined by a very special guest. Of course, the grappler, usually part of the pound the table picks of the week, he is away this week, and I have enlisted the services of none other than the Lock Monster himself. That's right, Carlo Koliakovo. You know him from first up. And you know him from 14 years in the National Hockey League. You know him as being a huge fan of betting on the NFL. And he will be bringing the heat for us in about 40 minutes' time. The big E, Eric Cohen, makes his return. He's been off for a couple weeks. Glad to have him back in about 10 minutes to give us his Week 9 Locks of the Week. And Don Padula, the executive producer of TSN Edge, makes his weekly appearance in about 25 minutes. But Al's brother, we need to sharpen our edge a bit. Don't you think? Don't let an injury hurt your fantasy week. Know who to go with and who to sit. This is In, Out, or Iffy. Yeah, we can do In, Out, or Iffy as well because, of course, fantasy football, we're past the halfway point of the fantasy football season. And needless to say, the ins and the outs and the iffies will also play an integral role in deciding exactly who you decide to gamble on this week. So let's start with the ins. And ESPN's Diana Russini said that Drew Brees and, get this, 
Michael Thomas will play Sunday night against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That is the game of the week. That's right, the Bucks, led by Tom Brady against the Saints, led by Drew Brees, and both sides getting a significant boost at wide receiver. Of course, Antonio Brown, who has been much maligned over the last couple of years. He's made a number of stops throughout the NFL, none of which have been successful He's back in the league, and he will start, you imagine, and play a significant role as the number one, number two, number three wide receiver for Tampa Bay. And Michael Thomas has not played since week one. He is expected to play as well. If you own those guys in fantasy, you probably want to want to start them this week. And also, Chris Godwin, according to Bruce Arians, the coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, will suit up against New Orleans. So you are seeing just a bevy of offensive talent on both sides uh, when it comes to the Saints and the Buccaneers. Another significant return to action is Christian McCaffrey. He has been out for almost a month and a half with his ankle injury. If you own Christian McCaffrey, pretty clear. You activate him, you start him. He's the best running back in fantasy, the best running back in the NFL, arguably, and he will be a monster at the drop of the, at the beginning of the 1 o'clock games uh, when he begins to play. Let's look at the iffies, which I think is very, very enticing when it comes to your fantasy rosters because if you used your third or fourth overall pick on Zeke Elliott, you have been pissed off because he has been pretty terrible throughout the season. And now... He's listed as questionable against arguably the best run defense in the NFL and the Pittsburgh Steelers. So the question remains, if Zeke is active, do you start him? And my guess is, unless you're playing in a deeper league, a 12 or a 14 team league, I mean, I guess if you have a, a flex spot or even a, a poor RB2 spot, Zeke is probably a decent option for you, but I do not like the upside there. I think Dallas is going to go down early and stay down big because I think Pittsburgh is about to lay the smackdown on the Cowboys. Whether it's Garrett Gilbert or Cooper Rush, a quarterback, I don't think it really matters. Another questionable, another iffy is Calvin Ridley, who was for the first month of the fantasy football season the best wide receiver in the NFL. Coach Raheem Morris insisted that Ridley is in a good spot. But it's very questionable considering Ridley has not practiced at all this week. So you're going to want to keep a close eye leading up to game time. As far as the outs this week, and perhaps this should be where we begin our conversation, Al's brother, Chris Carson, the star running back for the Seattle Seahawks, will not play in Week 9. Also out is Carlos Hyde. Now, DJ Dallas started last week, took most of the snaps, most of the carries. He had 18 carries for 41 yards, scored a touchdown, caught a couple passes. But clearly the Seattle Seahawks, not the same team without Chris Carson. How big of a factor, Al's brother, do you think that's going to be for the Seahawks when they face the Bills as three-point favorites on Sunday? I think it'll factor in a little bit, but I think Russell Wilson right now is just playing on a whole nother level, an MVP level, and I could definitely see them just kind of abandoning the run game and just air it out. Like Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are, are really uh, putting a stamp on the league, arguably the top two wide receiver duo in the league. And yeah. when it comes to, to the Bills, they're, they're just a, they're a little unhealthy. My boy, Matt Milano, apparently going to be out again. No, not again. We all know how I feel when Matt Milano's in the game and out of the game. He's not going to be there, which is why the Bills scare me a little bit. And I think that the Seahawks... Uh, although the the running game may not be what it used to be back in the Marshawn Lynch, day, Lynch days, man, Russell Wilson's cooking. I think he'll keep it going. 
Russell Wilson, you look at the statistical season that he's having, that Aaron Rodgers is having. Aaron Rodgers, a 24-2 to touchdown-to-interception ratio after the Packers' big win over the Niners last night. And Russell Wilson, 26-1. to That's right. 26 touchdowns to one interception for Russell Wilson. Absolutely prodigious statistics. And if you have either of those guys in your fantasy lineup, you are smiling from ear to ear, as I will be in a matter of moments when the big E, Eric Cohen, who joins me next. Looking forward to chatting with the Big E about Week 9 in the NFL and his early leans. I guess not so early, only a couple days till kickoff. That's coming up next here on The Edge. We're back here on The Edge, live on TSN 1050. We stream online worldwide each and every Tuesday and Friday evening at 7 p.m., and I always relish the opportunity to speak to one of the sharpest minds at TSN Edge. There's many sharp minds in that collective, and he is absolutely one of them. He is the Big E. It's Eric Cohen here on The Edge. What's up, my man? How you doing? Aaron, I can always count on you for a great introduction, but uh, I, I certainly don't want to be judged on my Week 8 picks. It was my first offer of the season, so... Uh... We're going we're gonna to turn the page and uh, move on to a uh, hopefully a much more profitable Week 9. Yeah, you've provided me with so many profits this year. One-off week does not discourage me at all, Big E. And let's get to some of your picks. I know you're a fan of the Baltimore Ravens this week, and they are laying one point in Indy against the Colts. Now, the Ravens are 10-2-2 and against the spread on the road with Lamar Jackson, at quarterback. Any concerns about Lamar at all, considering his weak performances of late against quality football teams? You know what? That's uh, that's why we're getting such a short line, because I think everyone's really down on Lamar. I mean, it's not often you can be an MVP and, and have everyone's mind just sort of switch so quickly. Now, you know, going into this year, everyone was talking about, well, Lamar's got to play well in the playoffs, right? Because he has the two playoff losses against the Chargers and the Titans where he didn't play as well as he's played in the regular season. But uh, now all of a sudden, you know, he loses a couple games to the Chiefs and to the Steelers, and uh, everyone's down on him. And I I watched, you know, that entire Steelers-Ravens game last week. He, other than the turnovers, he played really well. Now, you know, you turn the ball over four times, that's a big thing, obviously. You're not going to win the NFL doing that. But, you know, they, they, they ran for over 250 yards. The Steelers ran for, like, 47. He out, um, you know, they, they, did, they did more through the air with their offense than what Big Ben did with his offense. So the, the Ravens did everything right. They completely dominated that football game, but you had the pick six at the beginning of the game, and then you had the, the fumble late in the game, and the Ravens still were driving at the end of that game looking to win, and there could, could have been a P.I. call in that final pass into the end zone. So... You know, four turnovers, and they almost still beat an undefeated football team. Now, what does that tell you what's going to happen if they don't turn the ball over? And you don't expect Lamar's going to turn the ball over because, you know, last year, what do you have? I think six the entire season. Um, he's not a quarterback prone to making those kind of mistakes, though he had the three turnovers against the Titans in the playoff game. And, again, that was sort of what was everyone was talking about. He's got to play better in the playoffs. Last week was not what you expect out of Lamar Jackson. Uh, there was definitely a few fluky things that happened to him. Uh, he's much better than that. The Ravens are a very good football team, and the Colts really haven't beaten anybody. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they got a good record, but you know, who are their quality wins against? They don't have any. If you look at common opponents, uh, the, the Ravens blew out the Browns earlier this year. The Colts had to hold on to beat the Browns. Uh, the Bengals, um, 
you know, the Bengals walked into Indianapolis a few weeks ago. They were up like three scores in that game. The, the, the Colts had to really come back to win that game. And now T.Y. Hilton's out for Indianapolis, it looks like. Uh, they're having issues with the running game with Taylor, who was benched last week. So I um, I like Baltimore here. I think I think it's, a, you know, basically a pick-em line now. And the Ravens are a better football team. And I think, they, listen, the Ravens responded after they lost that game to the Chiefs. I expect them to respond after they lost last week. And don't forget, last year they got blown out week four to Cleveland, and they didn't lose another game the entire rest of the year in the regular season. So, I, you know, the Ravens under John Harbaugh, they always bounce back from tough losses, even losses to rivals like Pittsburgh. I think that's going to happen this week. He is the Big E, Eric Cohen, a TSN Edge betting analyst here on The Edge on TSN 1050. And Big E, I am so pumped for Sunday now. You're talking about Tom Brady and Drew Brees, the Saints and the Bucks, Antonio Brown, Michael Thomas making their respective returns to the NFL after long absences, albeit for different reasons. Yeah. Now the Buccaneers, four-and-a-half-point favorites hosting the Saints. That number seems a little bit high for me. Or like maybe I, I should I should rephrase. That's a lot of points against a, uh, a a team like New Orleans. Quality quality squad has been playing very good football. Where does your mind lie when it comes to the Bucks and the Saints, Biggie? There's there's a lot to digest with this football game, and, and a lot of unknown. Like you mentioned, Michael Thomas. Where's Michael Thomas been? He got hurt no one knows. Week one. He got hurt week one against the Bucks. And it was supposed to be a minor injury that was going to keep him out a couple of weeks. Last time I checked, this is week nine. We haven't seen him since week one. He got into a fight on the field where he got suspended and punched out a teammate. Supposedly hurt his hamstring in practice. He's been out for two months. Uh, this was the, the leading receiver of, from last year on um, what was supposed to be a minor injury from week one. So I think there's, there's something going on with Michael Thomas. We've heard trade rumors, which Sean Payton then denied. Uh, publicly to like profootball.com or whatever, and uh, there's, there's, there's definitely something there. Now we're hearing issues with Drew Brees in his right shoulder. Um, he's struggled all year throwing the ball downfield. Pretty much everything that the Saints have been doing has been, you know, dinks and dunks to Alvin Kamara, and especially considering that, you know, they, they didn't have Emmanuel Sanders the last couple weeks, too, because he was on the COVID list. So, you know, the Saints seem to be a little bit off kilter, which I think is the reason why you're seeing this line. The Bucks, I think they're peaking. Now, they didn't play great Monday night. I'm, I'm going to chalk that one up to a look-ahead spot to this game. Uh, didn't play well Monday against the Giants. But other than that, I mean, man, they, you know, they handed Green Bay their first loss of the year a couple weeks back. Their defense is much better now than what it was week one when these two teams played. Uh, they're, they're healthier. Mike Evans is healthier. They're going to, they're expecting to get Chris Godwin back, who missed the Monday nighter. You add Antonio Brown. Gronkowski's a big part of this offense. You got two really good running backs in Jones and Fournette. Jones fumbled and got benched Monday, so you just throw in Leonard Fournette and they don't miss a beat. Uh, to me, the, you know, the Bucks are just a team that, that right now is peaking. They, they seem to be the team that nobody would want to face in the NFC, which is why I think you see the line where it is. Uh, the Saints, their wins have not been that impressive. They struggled to beat the Bears in overtime. They had to come back from a huge deficit to beat the Chargers a few weeks back. They really haven't gone and blown anybody out. They beat the Panthers by three a couple weeks back when the Panthers missed a field goal with the buzzer. Uh, nothing of the eyeball test tells me that New Orleans has really been in peak form all year, whereas Tampa Bay, that's where they are. So uh, to me, I think, I think the Bucks probably win this game by a touchdown. 
Eric Cohen, my guest here on The Edge. I'm Aaron Karolnik. And last week, Big E, it was the Miami Dolphins coming off a bye and putting on a clinic against the Rams. Now this week, it's the Arizona Cardinals coming off a bye, and they're hosting those aforementioned Miami Dolphins who, I'm going to say, looked impressive, certainly defensively and on special teams. Offensively, I don't really know what to make of Tua and the way that the Miami Dolphins allowed him to execute the offense. That being said, the Cardinals are favored by four and a half points hosting the Dolphins. Where are you leaning in this game? Well, you know, last week, just like that Ravens game was a strange result based on the style of play of both teams and how many yards and everything else, this, this is the exact same thing. Uh, the Dolphins beat the Rams 28-17, to and it makes no sense. Tua threw for 93 yards. He really couldn't get going at all. He was sacked three times. Uh, the one thing he was able to do was avoid the interceptions, but, you know, they kept a pretty simple uh, game plan. Now, you know, Miles Gaskin, now he's hurt, uh, so he's not playing. Uh, Tua didn't rush for any yards. Really, the only reason they won this game was because of their defense and special teams, right? You had the, the long return touchdown. You had the, uh, the, pick, uh, the, the fumble on Goff and the return for a touchdown. I mean, Goff threw the ball 61 times for 355 yards um, because they were playing from behind because of those long special teams and defensive touchdowns. And they got the two picks on Goff. They got the strip on Goff. So, you know, they, that was how the Dolphins won. That is not a recipe uh, for winning football. I mean, I could think of one team that would win that way, and that was, you know, the Baltimore Ravens way back in the day when Tred Dilfer was the quarterback and they won a Super Bowl without an offense uh, because of, you know, Ray Lewis and Ed Reed and probably the best defense of all time along with the 85 Bears. But, you know, the Miami Dolphins have a good defense. Not that good. They're not going to win that way, and they're not going to do the things – to Kyler Murray that they were able to do last week to Jared Goff. So I do think Arizona wins this football game. Weird report about that the Dolphins um, were already shopping Tua or figuring out they have to drop Auditioning. Auditioning. Auditioning Tua. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that is a very weird report, but it came from Adam Schefter, who, you know, that's as legitimate as it gets, right? And if Adam Schefter's saying something, you need to take it with some credible eyes. And you think about Tua, and you think about the situation the Dolphins are in when it comes to having Houston's first-round pick next season, there could be yeah. some quarterbacks in the fold. So I think this whole thing makes a lot of sense. Biggie, I would be remiss to not get your take on your Buffalo Bills, who are hosting the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday. They are giving three points. They are three-point underdogs to Seattle. What is your pick on this one? As I know you are a big-time Bills fan. Yeah, you know, you're not going to find too many people lining up to bet Buffalo right now based on how they've played. They've only covered three games all year. They haven't been nearly as good as they were at the beginning of the season. Um, you know, you, you look at the New England game, if they don't cause a fumble there on Cam Newton, you know, Newton was driving for a game-winning score, and losing to that Patriots team at home would have been a real embarrassing loss. Uh, the Bills have some big-time struggles. They're not stopping the run. The good news is that the Seahawks' top running back, Chris Carson's not playing. So hopefully it's not a huge issue. Uh, but... I don't know how they get stops against Russell, uh, Russell Wilson. I'm not sure who's going to be able to slow down DK Metcalf. And, um, you know, I, I, Seattle, it used to be with Seattle, they don't travel well. They've got to play a one o'clock game in the Eastern time zone. That's too tough for a team at West, but they've won like their last nine games when they've traveled and played one o'clock Eastern games. So, uh, I, to me, I think, uh, 
most people will bet Seattle. I'm not betting against the Bills, uh, but I think they're going to be definitely in tough to win this football game. And the good news for them is their division uh, is not very good, even though Miami obviously is 4-3, and three, but I don't expect Miami to beat Arizona, so they probably don't lose ground in the division. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to be a real tough win for the Bills. Russell Wilson, 21-6 and six on the East Coast as the yeah. starting quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks since 2012. Unbelievable stat there, especially considering you look at teams going west to east, and generally that's a stat you use in favor of betting against somebody. But well, in I this case, it is, it's the exact opposite. To you before Russell Wilson got there, you look at Seattle the previous like 10 years, it probably was reverse, right? They probably were never winning games on the East Coast. Russell Wilson has completely changed everything about that Seahawks team. Yeah, I don't think Tavares Jackson was right. performing as well on the uh, East Coast as Russell Wilson has. Biggie, always a pleasure to have you on the show, my friend. Have a great weekend, and may many winners be in your future. Thanks, Aaron. Appreciate it. Always fun. All right, that is Eric Cohen, the Big E, here on The Edge. He is one of the top betting analysts on TSN Edge. Make sure to check out his terrific work at tsn.ca slash edge. On the subject of terrific contributors to TSN Edge, the executive producer of TSN Edge, Dom Padula, joins me next for his weekly appearance. And, Dom, we always go through our survivor picks and he's been spot on. And if you're still alive in week nine, you're going to want to listen to what Dom has to say. That and much more next on The Edge. Ooh, slow jam from Al's brother behind the glass. Loving it, Al's brother. And loving our Friday conversations with the executive producer of TSN Edge. Joins us every week at this time. His name is Dom Padula. What's up, Dom? How's it going? Hey, Aaron. How's it going, man? Fantastic. Thank you. I am jacked up for yet another weekend of gambling. <laughs> and I know we were talking about the election a lot. If you listen to the show on Tuesday night, which I know you did, Dom, we broke down the odds, and I believe I may have called betting on Joe Biden the bet of a century or something like that. Looks like it's uh, worked out pretty well. But what do you think about what's going on? When do you think those wagers will indeed cash, if at all? Oh, it's unbelievable. I mean, to your point about when will they cash, you know, I've heard a few stories of, you know, the messages that have been sent out from the different books saying, like, oh, we no. need to make sure that, you know, the results are final and we got them right before uh, there's any payouts. But when you talk about the betting odds for that U.S. election, I mean, I, I personally, I think that there's a tremendous amount at stake in this election, uh, just like every other election in the United States is the most important election for everybody that's that's out there voting. Um, but when you look at the numbers and going back to earlier in the month, uh, Biden, you know, hovering around 190 for as long as he did, and then what we saw on Tuesday night with Trump going as as long as or sorry as short as minus 400. I don't know what time you went to bed, but I went to bed around 3 a.m. and Trump was yeah. a substantial favorite. When I woke up the next morning, you couldn't even bet Biden anymore. So um, it's been really, um, really, I guess, in a lot of ways, shocking. Uh, I'm, I'm very surprised that uh, the the votes have still not all been tabulated. I understand it's a process. Uh, but the fact that it's now Friday night, uh, which is three nights later, and they still haven't declared a winner uh, after everything we saw on Tuesday and everything we've seen from the last four years. I, I'm still, I think, a little bit paralyzed 
And I think a lot of people are just trying to digest the news this week. Well, Dom, I will say, uh, when I told my mom that I had made wagers on the U.S. election, she just shook her head and was disappointed as in me. She's like, Aaron, what is wrong with you? Get a life. Well, you know, on Sundays, I have a life. It's sitting in front of my television for 12 hours, and one of the games I'm going to watch with keen interest is, as always, and I feel like we talk about the Dallas Cowboys and their pathetic quarterback situation every single week. We don't know who's going to start yeah. a QB. Will it be Garrett Gilbert, Gil- Gilbert Garrett, whatever his name, it doesn't matter. Cooper Rush, doesn't really matter, does it? But what we do know is the Cowboys are massive home underdogs, 14.5-point dogs hosting the Steelers. I'm a little hesitant to this number. Should I be? No, no, absolutely not. (laughs) I have to double down from last week because I said the same thing last week. You know, we'll stop talking about the Cowboys uh, when they finally cover a spread. You know, they're 0-8 this season. That matches the worst start against the spread in NFL history. I think that, you know, there's a very, very good chance they're not going to cover that 14.5 this week. And it's the same thing I was talking about last week. You know, we were talking about that Eagles line once it had creeped up to 10, 10 and a half, and there was a lot of conversation, like division rivals, division game. These teams have traditionally played each other close. And you just looked at that matchup and what the Cowboys had left for their offensive line, what they were working with in the quarterback situation, the defense that, that really hasn't been able to stop anybody this year. And the point I made was the number really at 10.5. I didn't think it was high enough. And you know what? That game actually ended up being a lot closer than I thought it would be because of Carson Wentz's play. But you guys were talking about Lamar Jackson and the Ravens earlier in the show when you had the big E on, and he's talking about, you know, Baltimore losing that game to Pittsburgh last week with four turnovers from Lamar Jackson. Carson Wentz turned the ball over four times, and they won by 14 points in cover. So... When I look at this matchup against the Steelers, uh, 14 and a half, yeah, you're right. It is a lot of points. But I think you take away that star from the Cowboys logo, and they're in the same conversation as the Jets this season. They might actually be worse than the Jets without Dak and with all the injuries they have in the offensive line. And the Steelers, they're 7-0. and They don't turn the ball over. They force turnovers at the second highest rate in the NFL behind the Seahawks. And they have a chance to make an absolute statement in that game. And I don't think 14 and a half points is high enough still to trust the Cowboys in this spot. Don Padua, the executive producer of TSN Edge, our guest here on The Edge on TSN 1050. And undoubtedly, the game of the week goes Sunday night. The Saints and the Buccaneers. The Bucks are four-and-a-half-point favorites hosting New Orleans. And this game will mark the return of Antonio Brown to the NFL, likely mark the return of Michael Thomas on the other side. Four-and-a-half points, not an insignificant number when you consider these are two top teams in the NFC, perhaps in their division, certainly. Where does your money lying on this Friday evening, Dom, with this one? Uh, well, let me talk about the spread first. So I think four and a half is actually a really good number for this game. I think if I was looking at it, I'd probably have it at three. But then you've got the fact that Tampa Bay is at home. Saints have, uh, they're a little bit beat up. Um, Tom Brady's getting some weapons back, it looks like. If Scotty Miller's able to play, Antonio Brown's able to make his debut, and potentially Chris Godwin could still play in that game. Um, so I, I'm looking at that number at four and a half. I'm hesitant. I'm leaning towards the Bucks, but I'm hesitant right now because I just want to see is Chris Godwin going to play? Is Scotty Miller going to be okay? Who's going to be in and who's going to be out? Uh, it looks like Michael Thomas is going to play for the Saints. 
Um, but we haven't seen him since week one, and it's really hard to evaluate with his injury and everything he's dealt with this season, as well as Drew Brees. Now we're hearing that he's a little bit banged up. So I'm a little bit hesitant to bet the number right now at four and a half. One, one thing that I will say is a number that I've looked at is Antonio Brown. I've been trying to, you know, keep an eye on his props throughout the week. Uh, I'm intrigued by it, um, you know, from a betting perspective and from a fantasy perspective, just to see what he does week one. There's been a lot of talk about it. Uh, I think he's being a little bit underrated heading into this matchup, especially if Godwin doesn't go. Um, you know, his totals are set around 54 and a half for receiving yards. His touchdown, Antonio Brown to score a touchdown against the Saints right now is plus 150. And, you know, I get it. He hasn't played in over a year. But I look at what he did in his debut at the Patriots last year against the Dolphins. Eight targets, four catches, 56 yards, and a score. Uh, I really felt watching that game live like Brady was making it a priority to try to get him to the ball, even when he was being double teamed. And then I look at the process of getting him to Tampa Bay this year. You know, obviously Brady was instrumental in getting him there, and he trusts Antonio Brown. He's worked with him in the offseason. They lived together a bit last year. And then you have the potential injury to Chris Godwin, and we don't know if Scotty Miller is going to be at full strength. Uh, this is a must-win game for Tampa Bay. They need this game in the division, and they need this game to try to close the gap on the Seahawks, the top spot in the NFC. Obviously, this year, the number one seed is the only seed that gets that first-round buy and home field advantage for the playoffs. So I think, you know, if Tampa Bay is going into this game saying that they're going to do whatever it takes to get a win at home, and you got Mike Evans covered by Marshawn Lattimore, you got Chris Godwin beat up, you don't know if he'll play, you got Scotty Miller beat up, and you got a healthy Antonio Brown looking to make his debut in prime time. I, I, I like Antonio Brown to get a touchdown, and at plus 150, it looks pretty good to me. I believe in the 17 routes that Antonio Brown ran for the Patriots in his single game last year, he was targeted eight times by Tom Brady. So yep. that just goes to show how much Tom Brady respects Antonio Brown. We know his talent is undeniable. His character off the field... Not as not, not quite as good as the talent on the field. That's certain to be said. But I think when it comes to gambling, we don't worry about anything. Hell, we bet on the U.S. election, so that's clearly a fact. <laughs> Let's talk about survivor pools. And we've been talking every week. We've had you on, Don. We talk. We talk about our selections, and it's been a very successful process. I'm in my week nine. I know so is Al's brother. I know you're in your week nine as well. And a lot of teams, I imagine most teams have used the Kansas City Chiefs at this point. They're they're ten and a half point favorites hosting the Panthers. And if you have the Pittsburgh Steelers against the Cowboys, you're absolutely going to use them. Any yeah. other picks you're eyeing in Week Nine as far as survivor pools go? Yeah. So again, we've come this far. And to your point, you know those, those big favorites. If you use the Chiefs, if you use the Steelers, I mean, I was fortunate last week. I know I was uh, weighing between a few teams and. With a couple of my survivor picks, I had originally put the Packers. I really like the Packers in that spot. And thank goodness, you know, I tweeted out around noon on Sunday. I switched it into Philly because I just felt so much stronger about Philly and the fade the Cowboys. Um, and I know I'm going to do it again this week. I'm going to fade the Cowboys with the Steelers. Fortunately, I still have them available. Um, but when you look at some of the other matchups on the board, you know, trying to find a spot if you've already used the Chiefs, if you've already used the Steelers, it really is bare, and, you know, a lot of people are pointing towards the Patriots against the Jets. You know, it's as if 2020 isn't wild enough. I'm actually talking about doubting Bill Belichick and the Patriots against the New York Jets in a, in a straight-up survivor pool play, and it's just based on I don't know that I could trust them right now. 
Um, but one team that I, I think is kind of, you know, they've been talking about a little bit more from a betting perspective, and I know the line's uh, down to almost to pick them, and I know the Big E was high on them in the last segment you did with him, and it's the Ravens, you know, like Baltimore uh, going into Indy, um, on paper, it looks like, you know, a pretty even matchup. Both teams are 5-2. and two. Ravens are coming off a tough loss to the Steelers. But you know what? That's, that's going to be a key game for Baltimore. They can't afford to drop two in a row. Uh, I'm not taking them to lose two in a row. I think that they should have an edge against Phillip Rivers and the Colts. I, I haven't been able to trust Phillip Rivers this year. Um, even in games that they've won, I've been, you know, a little hesitant to back them. I, I know Eric pointed out that game against the Bengals. That was an absolute tire fire. I couldn't believe how they absolutely fell apart at the beginning of the game. And they were able to rally to get the win, but I don't think they covered in that game. And then looking forward to this week, I think that's a tough matchup for the Colts, you know, like the Ravens, they're not, I don't think Lamar Jackson's going to turn the ball over four times the way he did last week. As long as he doesn't, I think Baltimore could be in play this week against Indianapolis. Um, I know Seattle is a team that I kind of looked at. Uh, East Coast, they've done well with Russell Wilson. Um, and I, I haven't really been impressed with the Bills. I know the Bills are a little bit banged up. Um, but it's, it's definitely a unique situation because, you know, I don't know about the survivor pools you guys are in, but in, in a couple of them, I'm down to the final 50. And there's not a lot of options left on the board. Fortunately, I still have Pittsburgh. Um, I don't have the Chiefs anymore. And, and, I'm, and I'm hesitant right now. Um, to back a team like the Patriots, who I know a lot of people are pointing to um, as a potential survivor pool option. And it's just because of what we saw with that offense in Cam Newton. That turnover was absolutely killer. Defense hasn't been great. Um, and, and so right now I'm not trusting the Patriots. But I think if you're looking for an alternate team to consider, uh, Baltimore should be on people's radars. Dom, I am in Steve Simmons' survivor pool. Pretty big deal. I believe only 71 teams left, and Steve will personally regale each winner with, uh, I'm just kidding. I love you, Steve. I know you're listening. You listen every week. Dom, thank you for doing this. As always, we will talk to you next Friday night, and best of luck with your wagers this weekend, my friend. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Have a great night. Have a great show. That is Dom Padua, the executive producer of TSN Edge. We have a big-time guest coming up. Al's brother. No, I'm just kidding. Carlo Koliakovo will join us for the Pound the Table Picks of the Week. Myself, Al's brother, Grappler's off this week, so we enlisted a former NHL superstar. Okay, he was a defenseman, but he joins us next. Hammering home conviction. Stop the hammering. It's the Pound the Table Picks of the Week. Where's the hammer? On the Edge with Aaron Karolnik. We're back here on The Edge on TSN 1050. We're streaming online, tsn1050.ca. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. If you're a fan of TSN 1050, you check him out in the morning. You know him as one of the co-hosts, well, I guess the co-host of First Up from 6 to 10 with Michael Landsberg. And every single morning, Carlo Colialco asked me, I can't even say his name, asked me, Aaron, when can I come on The Edge? All I want is an opportunity to share my NFL wisdom, my gambling guruism. And, Carlo, this moment has finally arrived for you. I know it's a momentous occasion for you. The grappler is away, so we've enlisted your talents to make picks in his place. So let's welcome in 14-year NFL veteran. Nope, not NFL. NHL veteran, Carlo Koliakoba. What's up, man? I am a 14-year NFL veteran because it only took you to week nine to actually bring in an expert. So okay. I will refer myself to Lockmaster C. Uh, Lockmaster C. 
I'll be giving you some locks this weekend. All right, so I will hold you to the locks because you owe me, what, $5,000 from our NFL wagers this year? <laughs> I'm looking at my list right now, and, man, you're a minus a couple zeros. <laughs> <laughs> I find that hard to believe. All right, Carlo, let's not waste any more time dithering. People need your picks. So here on the Pound the Table Picks of the Week, Grappler gives two picks, Al's brother gives two picks, I give my two picks. Why don't you lead us off as our guest this evening? Who are your two best bets for Week 9? All right, I will do gladly. Uh, first, I'm going to go to the 1 o'clock slate, and I'm going to take the Atlanta Falcons minus 4. I think Atlanta is the best 2-6 and six team in the league. This team has found some life, some resurgence in their game since they fired their head coach, Dan Quinn. Uh, they're lethal on offense. Uh, they're not getting as much uh, um, sort of respect around the league right now. Coming playing against the Denver team that came off a crazy win last week that they had no business winning against the Chargers. I think the Atlanta Falcons are in a prime spot right here uh, to not only win the game but cover the spread against the Denver Broncos. And with my second pick, I am mm-hmm. going to the game everybody's looking forward to Sunday night. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, minus four and a half. That's my pick. I just think the hardest thing to do in the NFL is to beat uh, your division team twice. We saw Tampa Bay, their first game of the season, lose their home opener to New Orleans. I think uh, Tampa Bay's found their identity. It's taken them some time to look this good. They're getting another weapon uh, to add to their arsenal of wide receivers and Antonio Brown. I know New Orleans is getting Michael Thomas back and Emmanuel Sanders back, but Tampa Bay's a top five defense in the league. I think this game is prime for the taking for a revenge game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He is Lockmaster C, Carlo Koliakovo, our guest here on the edge. He's in place with the grappler on the pound the table picks of the week. Al's brother, Al's brother, what do you make of Carlo's debut here on the program so far? Not bad, not bad. I think okay. I was uh, the the first game's going to be iffy. I think uh, the Falcons haven't played too too great, but. They are playing a little better as of late. Well, Oz brother, you are a citrus fruit that we call a lemon. So why don't you go ahead and make your two picks this week? <laughs> Thought I was an empty suit. Oh yeah, that too. Go ahead, buddy. <laughs> All right, my first bang in the table pick of the week. I'm taking the Colts plus one. Look, the Ravens just haven't looked good this year. Lamar's been struggling mightily, and it doesn't get any easier against one of the league's top defenses in Indy. Darius Leonard returned last week. He looked great. He's got one more week of getting healthy. Uh, offensively, Phil Rivers really seems to be picking it up as of late, too. 633 yards, six touchdowns, just one pick since their bye week. It should be a low-scoring one, but I like the Colts to keep it close and win by a small margin. I'm taking the home dogs. Colts plus one. And then I'm picking the Monday nighter. The Woeful Jets are only getting seven and a half points against New England, and I am smashing the Patriots here. The Jets are just atrocious, and my new rule of thumb is going to be to take any opposition every time that there's a single digit spread against them. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and go with the, the, the Patriots there, minus seven and a half. Oh, Brashad Perriman looks to set looks set to make his return for the Jets. So another wide receiver option for Sam Darnold. Very interesting pick, Al's brother. No I want to take I want to take an issue with something you said. You use the words top defenses and Colts in the same sentence, and that brings me to my first pound the table pick of the week. Of course, the Baltimore Ravens, and I want to read you the list of quarterbacks the Colts have played this year. Gardner Minshew, Baker Mayfield, Joe Burrow, Sam Darnold, Matt Stafford, Nick Foles, Kirk Cousins. Not a lot of Hall of Famers in that group, and I think Baltimore is primed to make a significant return to the 
national eye of the NFL with a big win over the Colts this week. Lamar Jackson has faced a ton of heat, and rightfully so. He has not performed against the top teams in the NFL. Well, good news for him, because the Colts aren't a top team in the NFL, and Baltimore shows it with a big win. They're 10-2-2 two, two, they're two and two against the spread on the road with Lamar Jackson at quarterback, and they're going to make it 11-2-2 two two with a big win on Sunday. And I'm also on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, no, I'm not on the Jaguars. I'm on the Houston Texans, who smack the Jaguars minus seven and if you don't know who the quarterback is for the Jacksonville Jaguars you are not alone his name is Jake Luton he's starting in place of Gardner Minshew this week Jake Luton does not have a mustache does not have jean shorts nor does he have a chance of keeping this game close for the Jacksonville Jaguars a sixth round pick out of Oregon State it's going to get ugly and ugly quickly I think Deshaun Watson smashes the Jacksonville defense which has been just brutal all season Jake Luton can't get much going offensively James Robinson you know I love J-Rob he's not enough to get it done I think Houston takes that by double digits or more so I'm on Houston and I'm on the Colts or I'm on the Ravens and Al's brother why don't you recap your picks yeah, I'm on the Colts against your Ravens, so we're gonna we might have to Ooh. put a little bit of a side wager on this one, and then I've got the Patriots smashing the Jets on the Monday nighter. And yeah, Lockmaster Jake, C. Jake Luton will be Jake Poopin. I like that pick. Uh, the Houston Texans. I have the Atlanta Falcons minus four against the Denver Broncos, and I've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus four and a half against the New Orleans Saints. All right, Coco, I want to uh, bring back something we were talking about earlier in the show. We've done the pound the table of picks of the week. Al's brother's been staying at a Comfort Inn in Markham as the producer of Overdrive this week. What? $40, $40 hotel room. How hilarious is that? <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> it is. I'm like, Al's brother, why don't you like stay with a buddy? He's like, oh, yeah, I guess I could have, but... <laughs> it didn't even cross my mind to ask anyone. <laughs> Nothing. You could have asked me. Nothing like candlelight uh, baths, right, uh, Al's brother? You should, oh, go, you should give Matt Cause a call. Exactly. I get some, some alone time, some me time. It was nice. Decent week. Those uh, That hotel needs to burn all video of what happened in your room, Al's brother. I don't even want to know. Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> it's probably a good idea. Money, you were making money. That's all that matters. That's right. That's right. Coco, we appreciate you stepping in for Graps, and I should call you Lockmaster C, your new nickname. Well, I guess we'll evaluate if you are indeed Lockmaster C so on Sunday go, night. When I go 2-0, and o, does, do I ultimately become the permanent replacement? Oh, really? You want a Wally Pip, um, the grappler? I mean, I guess so. If you go 2-0, and o, you can, you'll definitely make a repeat appearance next week. Let's, let's hold you to that. All right. If I go 0-2, don't call me ever again. Okay, or one and one, or two and L, whatever. <laughs> Thanks, man. We appreciate the time. Have a great weekend. All right, boys. Good job. Talk to you later. All right, that is Carlo Koliakovo, the co-host of First Up here on TSN 1050. Make sure to listen to the boys from six to ten. You'll hear me too, and we talk a lot of NFL, and we make a lot of terrible, stupid wagers against each other on the daily that's it for us here on the edge much thanks to al's brother to the big e eric cohen to don padula and of course to the aforementioned carlo koliakovo for their contributions this evening i'm aaron Korolnik, and we'll be back tuesday night for yet another edition of the edge right here on tsn 1050